calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Your Angry Angry Neighborhood Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And it's the last week of Women's History Month. Let's all pour a beer out for yeah. the last week of Pour a little history. out for, for our homie, Women's ne- History Month. I would never pour any of my wine out. I'm not wasting wine. Absolutely That's not. That's the worst is like when I wake up the next morning and realize I didn't finish my glass of wine. It's just been sitting out all night. I'm like, what a waste. It has to taste really bad for me to not drink it, though, to Max, be honest. Max left about this much in his glass last So like three night. inches in the bottom of a wine glass? That's yeah. a lot of wine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I broke up with him today, so I'm just yeah, kidding. No, like, <laughs> party foul, my friend. Yeah. I took him to the airport this morning, and I was just like, we're done. Get out. <laughs> it cannot be forgiven. No, always forgiven. All well, right. we are going to talk about the history of women's undergarments today. We sure are. Which is pretty exciting. Boy, did I enjoy researching this. I It my, was very interesting. My carpal tunnel was kicking in today. It's acting have, up. I don't have my wrist thing anymore in the move. I think I lost it. I used to have a thing where I could wrap, wrap my wrist. And do I you could, have carpal tunnel? I do a little bit. It's not it's not major, but I find that if I sleep on it funny or if I write for too long, I do get a really, really bad pain that'll last days. In my oh, head. wow. Yeah. I did recently start using, because this is how much I'm on my fucking phone, I did start using one of those, um, what are those sticks with the stylus? little... Stylus? Yeah, stylus. I started using a stylus for I noticed, my phone. I've noticed that, too, after, because um, I do a lot of drawing, and then I, you know, I like to crochet. I do a lot of things with my hands. So I did, I have noticed in the past when it's kicking in and I'm scrolling on my phone, that motion will affect We're that, a like, million years part. old. I know. We really are. But a, a stylus really helps, though. Yeah. Like, it does. Like, it helps, you know, I'm if you're... I'm just not carrying that shit around. I, I have one that's a pen on one side and a stylus on the other. I'm going to lose that So somewhere. I keep it in my I purse. I lose pens, like, so easily. I have three of them. I keep one at work, <laughs> one in my purse, one here. You're just better than me, Keegan. <laughs> you're better than me. All right. Should we get into it? Yeah. Let's How do you want to go about... Jump do you in. want to talk about underwear and then talk about bras? Do you want to talk about them intermixed? What do you want to talk I about? I have mine kind of by timeline perfect like all mixed in together let's do that and i will flip back and forth between my notes okay awesome so i did want to kind of start this off because i read kind of an interesting article from historyextra.com and they opened their article talking about the history of undergarments Mm -hmm. and they did it we're talking i think with a focus on women as per usual they talked about undergarments throughout history for both men and women. But something that I did find interesting was this quote. They said, strangely, underwear is not meant to be seen unless that's exactly what it's meant for. Yeah. Which I thought was fascinating because I'd never thought about that before. It's like you don't want anyone to see your underwear. It's definitely most of my underwear is boring unless... You it's want someone to see it. Lingerie. And yeah. like you want it to be seen. I do, I do have to say that there are days like I have my favorite pair where they're like, they're not ugly, they're not like super sexy, but like when I wear them, I feel good about myself. Like I can tell when I'm wearing like the underwear that I really like. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Sure. Um and then I definitely what's have your those... favorite kind of underwear? Like just for okay. a living. I am obsessed with Aries underwear, okay. bras and underwear. I have a couple pair where they're like super stretchy. Mm-hmm. They're not cotton, but they're not that like sticky where like your pubes get stuck on it underwear. I'm sorry for TMI, but like 
it's hard to explain. We're beyond like that, TMI on this know, podcast. I have to say it though. Like, <laughs> I don't know. For those who are just tuning in, I don't know. And it's like full coverage, like full booty coverage. Uh-huh. But then the ones that I really like have just the trim of lace around the leg and the waistband. Nice. And then I've got like my like period underwear. Oh, period panties for sure. I've got my like high waisted underwear. Again, I don't have I, any of that. Oh, I have high waisted underwear for when I wear dresses. I like it. And those oh. are a little bit cheeky. Okay, I've got like Spanx. I don't have Spanx, but I like wearing high waisted underwear with dresses because I feel sometimes you'll get that cut off line a little it bit. It smooths things. Yeah, okay. and then, and that's the only time I can really wear them. And I do like to wear those for sexy times sometimes. Okay. I like I don't like I have like three thongs. I, I don't like thongs. silk underwear. I think that silk underwear is um, only meant to be sexy. People who wear that on the regular, because it's sweaty. Yeah. Uh, but what I do like, my favorite underwear is a thong, actually. Mm-hmm. But but it's it's the kind that's that fabric. It's not silk. It's, like, stretchy, okay, but, like, that's what I'm sheeny. talking about. Yes. yes. That's what I'm and talking about. And it's very about. thin, so yeah. you can't, like, see the line, yeah. really, like, underneath your clothes. Yeah. That's my favorite fabric. I just... I just once read about the risks of, like, having more UTIs and yeast infections with wearing thongs. I have not had a UTI or a yeast infection since I was in high school. I used to get them on the regular. Maybe I'm just lucky. Maybe you are. It's just, like, it's really gross, but it's, like, if you fart in a thong, like, like that fecal matter can get down to your vagina. Yes, I'm scarred. (laughs) So I only wear thongs if I'm wearing, like leggings or really tight pants okay all right you know like i won't hate i don't like hanging out at home and thongs i just hate visible panty lines like i try to avoid those but that's why i wear the ones that are really flat mm-hmm. yes that fabric a, is the best yeah my period underwear you can see lines that's why i usually wear like track pants or something mm-hmm. when i'm on my period cotton it's just cotton like, underwear cotton uh a little higher waisted it's got, got that hanes action it's got like not quite hanes but it's like <laughs> old shit and it's you know not something you'd want people to see. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. There are those that I'm like, I would throw these out if I didn't need them. Well, they're utilitarian. Yeah. They serve a purpose. They do. Okay. Very functional. So let's jump in with kind of like the history of underwear. Where would you like to start? Well, on underpants, I read an article from lovetoknow.com. And they are saying that underwear was first worn during the Renaissance for function and as a chastity device. It was described as helping women keep clean and protecting them from cold. Because that's really important to keep your vagina warm. Yes, it is. They prevent the thighs being seen if they fall from a horse. These, okay, I hate saying, how do you say drawers when you're talking about someone's underwear? Draws? Um, I, I say drawers. Drawers? Like the same thing as a chest of drawers is okay. usually how I say it. But then again, my ex called a chest of drawer a draw. What? He was from the Bronx. No, but I mean, like, I, I've i I've heard them called draws before. I just feel really, I'm going to say it, I'm going to be self-conscious every time I say I feel say like it. I'm putting something on if I say draws. I feel like that too, because but I feel my, drawers. My black, my black family says that, says that because it's like a, a Southern thing. But, but. Uh, but saying drawers sounds like I'm talking about drawers. Okay, anyways. These drawers also protect them from dangerous young men because if they slip their hands under their skirts, they can't touch their skin at all. Oh, gross. Right? So, because of proximity to their genitals, they were considered risque. It was almost more modest to not wear any underwear at all. How does that make any sense? <laughs> But again, I don't know. I mean, I think it kind of it does speak to the weird nature of underwear. Yeah, that it's like it's sexy it's just by by default because it's, it's touching your sexy parts. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's touching weird. Touching my bits. Yeah. Um, in the mid nineteenth century, they were only worn by sex workers and little girls. Which undies? Apparently, okay. Some of this could Why? be wrong. Again, so at, at what age were you like, you know what? I'm no longer a girl. Time get, to burn the When you panties. get your period, I guess it's bye-bye underwear, what? which sounds like that backwards. That makes the least amount of sense I've <laughs> ever heard. Like, I did not need... I mean, maybe I did, but, like, I didn't need to wear underwear when I was mm-hmm. a little, little girl. Like, when you get older, that's you when you need, need it. it. Yes, when you start having discharge and But things. I think it was because they're talking about the fact that it was, um, like, used as, like, a chastity device. Maybe it was seen as, like, too risque for people once you became a so woman. So maybe it's, like, once you got married, you, like, burned your panties. Maybe. That would be a no, fantastic it would be, no, marriage. It would be the right. op- 
It would be the opposite, actually. No, because, because if it's a chastity device, like, to well, protect your true. chastity, that's then once true. once you've had sex and you're married, why do you need it? Well, they actually, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but they actually talk about that with corsets, because you can stop wearing corsets when you're married at some point. We'll get to it. And then let I'll, yourself go. <laughs> well, yeah, they say once you're married, you could stop wearing corsets, and it shows a man's self-control, because he would have to undo all the laces himself. So it's it's showing that your husband has but you know what? Some guys are really fucking into that. Like, they're really into like the undressing. Yeah. I okay, because no. speaking of we just did an episode of Boobies and Newbies. Yeah. The one that I did, I did an episode of Boobies and Newbies with My Worst Date as well. Mm. And that was like a bodice ripper type mm. erotic novel. And that was his like kink, mm-hmm. is that he liked slow that's what was so fucking painful about that book is like he was slow. like button by button, lace by lace undoing her corset and I'm like if you could just get to the sex that would be amazing that would amazing. be great just hike the skirt up and do it <laughs> yeah. no I feel like that's just generally what happens it's just like oh I'm naked what are we doing <laughs> so I mean I'm just saying like I don't know that it like really speaks that much to the husband yeah. being like having so much self control yeah you know what I mean do you have anything on like the renaissance time when it comes to like your underwear well I don't really have much on renaissance but actually if we go back a little bit further to, like, ancient Roman times. I have a bunch on ancient times when it comes to bras. Right. So ancient Rome, they definitely speak more about bras, uh-huh. uh, which is kind of like a, just a binding sort of banjo style. Yeah. They, but, they did call it breast binding. They would call it a strophium or a mammillar. Yes. But they also would wear... So there are these paintings of, like, women who have those tops. Yeah. And then their bottoms, while not, like, necessarily underwear, they're it's like, kind of br- like... like boy briefs, boy Yeah, shorts, they're kind of kinda. like boy yeah. shorts. And I don't know if they would only wear that when they were playing sports. Yeah. Or if it was a thing that they would do kind of on the regular they're, underneath their clothing. Yeah, there's a mosaic at the... I'm going to say this wrong. The Villa Romana de Casal, which shows women performing gymnastics or dance routines and items resembling a strapless bra and briefs, and they call them the bikini girls. So there are, like, depictions of art, but it's typically depicting them doing some sort of sport. Yeah, it's usually kind of a sports activity. So it's yeah. unknown, really, whether or not they wore anything underneath their clothes on a day-to-day basis. Yeah. Can I talk about a few other countries during the ancient times? Sure, yes, of bras? course. Of course. So India, there were, in India, there were tailors during the first century AD who specialized in tight-fitting garments, such as the... And I'm, there are so many words in here that I'm going to say wrong. Uh, <laughs> such as the... Kanchuka, which was a half-sleeved, tight-fitting bodice, and it was worn by women and young girls. Greece, ancient Greece, was very interesting to me. Um, they wore garments that both supported and revealed their breasts. Uh, the best-known style is the snake goddess, which was worn outside their clothing and pushed the breasts up, which resembled a corset, kind of. Yeah, so from what I saw, because I did see that one, it looks like an underbust corset. Yeah. But So it does support the breast the way a corset does by, like, pushing on the rib cage and pushing up on the breast. But, but it, it doesn't cover, It doesn't like cover the breasts, and... When you see depictions of under breast corsets, typically, um, there's like a flowy shirt over the top of it, yeah. right? And they just didn't wear a shirt. So yeah, it, was it was just like boobs, tits out. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, the Mycenae civilization had a religious and cultural significance to breasts as they were associated with fertility and procreation. Makes sense. Uh, women given in, that they feed babies. Right? <laughs> Crazy. Women in ancient Greece would also wear breastbands made of linen. Uh, sometimes belts were also used under or over the breast, depending on whether they wanted their breasts to appear larger or smaller. Which look like those harnesses, like which I was so into for it a looks while. Really uncomfortable. It looks uncomfortable, but they sell those now. That they're those like um, kind of like leather harnesses that people wear, kind of over t-shirts or whatever. Yeah. And I was into them for a while, and that's kind of what it looks like. It's yeah. like. A harness that goes around your boobs, and it would. As speaking as a small chest, they would woman, even wear. They would wear belts that went like over their nipples if they wanted them to. Oh, see, I don't want that at all. No, but as a small-chested woman, the ones that go around your boobs, I feel like could, if you were trying to expose mm-hmm. your breasts, they could make them. It would accentuate a- appear it. larger. That's why I like wearing. I don't like wearing. Um, underwire, but when I do wear underwire, I don't want it to be padded, because I find that if I just have that support, like, it makes my boobs look really good. Yeah. Um, so Aphrodite would wear something called a Kestros, and the power of it would make women irresistible to men. 
Okay. Right? <laughs> well, it's Aphrodite. In classical Greece, a peplos later became a chiton, which was popular, and that was two rectangular pieces of cloth partially sewn together on both sides. So, sounds like a pretty standard bra, bra situation. Yeah. I found it interesting when talking about ancient Rome. Um, again, speak, speaking as a small-chested woman, I have totally come to terms with this. When I was younger, in my early 20s, I was like, especially when I was very thin, I was like, I wish I had larger breasts. Oh, I stuffed my bra um, through middle school because I yeah, was made fun of so much. Well, especially in the early 2000s, having large breasts were, it was very in fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I've completely come to terms. I like that my boobs are small. Well, it's in fashion, too, to kind of be... Whatever. Like, I feel like small boobs have definitely made a comeback. Well, small boobs, I've, I like it now because I'm like, I can wear, I can get away with not wearing a bra and I can get away with wearing really, really low cut things. Yeah. And I like it. I enjoy it. Um, cause if I don't have to wear a bra, I'm not going to. Right. But I'm in like a weird middle ground where like they're not so big that I'm like, spilling out but they're big enough that if I wear like a low cut top or something like people are staring at they're noticing and I hate wearing bras but like I have to I'm not wearing one right now but I feel like if I wear anything form-fitting I have to wear them or else like my boobs are very visible yeah something to support yeah not even just support because I'm just I don't want gawking eyes I don't care about support like they're not so big that I feel uncomfortable Mm -hmm. not wearing a bra it's just that I don't want people gawking at my boobs sure But I found it really interesting in ancient Rome that Romans regarded large breasts as comical or characteristic of aging or or unattractive unattractive women. women. Young girls wore breastbands that uh, tightly secured their breasts in hopes that it would prevent them from getting too large, yeah, which is I, kind of interesting. I was the opposite. I had a friend who told me that if I slept in a bra, that my boobs would get bigger. That's not... That's it does, not that's true. Not how boobs work. No, it's <laughs> that's not, how not That's work. not how boobs work. Nope, it is not. Um, I found it interesting that in China, they wore a silk bodice tied at the waist, so again, kind of like a corset, not quite a bra, um, but it would tie around their neck, and it was called a duduo, which means belly cover, and it was worn by wealthy women during the Ming Dynasty times. So that did actually, it did have a strap to it that was connected, which Sounds I like a little like bit more like a halter, possibly? Kind of, but I think it was under the breast, and then the straps would come up. So I feel like it would kind of squeeze them. Oh, in push, push in. Uh, they didn't say that, but like the way I'm picturing it is kind of like they would keep them like taut, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I read something in that same article that was talking about how costume historians had always thought that the modern bra that has straps that go over the shoulder and kind of like clasps in the back with the triangular shape over the breasts is a 20th century invention. And and they were doing building work at this medieval Austrian castle in 2012, and they revealed which, this is the shit that makes me want to be like, an archaeologist or whatever. Finding old bras, totally. Well, just, (laughs) just, can you imagine, like, like, okay, earlier today, I posted a thing to my mom, my mom's wall on Facebook because I knew she'd get a kick out of this, where they had found, like, a schoolhouse where they had, like, uncovered a whiteboard that had, like, full lesson plans on it from 1917. Whoa. And I was like, can you imagine being the person to make that discovery? Yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So these people, they were working on this Austrian castle, and they found a hidden vault and this castle was built in the 15th century, so the 1600s, and they found medieval bras with yeah. shoulder straps that look like bras, like uh-huh. modern-day bras, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. I kind of get into the Middle Ages a little bit here when we're talking about bras. Sorry if we're kind of going all over the place. We both take different notes, so sometimes it's hard to... No, we've been pretty... Keep it good. Okay, good. pretty on the right. So... Um, in Europe, many women bound their breasts during the Middle Ages. Uh, this is a statement from the Holy Roman Empire. It said, no women will support the bust by the disposition of a blouse or tightened dress, which is confusing to me. And that's why I kept it in here. Does that mean that they don't want you to wear bras? It, it sounds like they don't want support. But they're saying that many women did bind their breasts. So that's why I was confused. So I wanted Maybe to they bound them because they needed the support and they weren't allowed to wear garments that support. Okay, that makes sense. Their their breasts, maybe? I don't know. Well, I think what you were talking about is that archaeologists found a four-lace decorative bra 
Um, and I, I didn't have a year written down, but I think that was probably what you were referring to in the Middle Ages. I saw a picture of this thing, and it literally looks like a bralette. Like, it looks yeah. like something that I own. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, so breasts were typically minimized by wearing dresses with straight bodices, full skirts, and high necklines. And they and what they did wear underneath was designed for function. The look was small-breasted and fully-figured women symbolized fertility. So they right. wanted you to have a little meat on your bones, but not big boobs. Which you've okay. seen in all those Renaissance paintings. Yeah. That's what they look like. Like, if you look like if you look at the painting of the Venus de Milo, right, you can see that her breasts are actually quite small, but her hips are wide, her thighs are thick, she's got kind of a very full figure, but her breasts are small. Very small. Which is, isn't that interesting? I I think it's really fascinating the way that not only um, body types, this is how you know that beauty is a social construct, Mm -hmm. right? It's because the things that were once deemed beautiful are not deemed beautiful anymore. And it changes. And it ebbs and flows constantly. And it's interesting to me that small breasts would be considered a sign of fertility. Yeah. When it's like big breasts are usually, like, filled with milk to feed yeah, babies. exactly. You know? Exactly. Uh, so getting... You mentioned the Renaissance. So getting into more of the Renaissance, a décolletage became popular, uh, which they was a, there was a status to firm breasts in the upper class. How would you know? <laughs> because they didn't breastfeed. That's what they're saying. Oh, so, so they speaking had of wet which, nurses. They would have wet nurses okay. who would do all their dirty work for them. So among the wealthy, the corset began to appear. This is in the mid-15th century. And this woman named Catherine de' Medici, who was the wife of Henry II uh, of France. Medici. Medici, yeah. thank you, is widely but wrongly credited for corsets, uh, although she did help popularize them in France. She began to have a wider waist in the 1550s. And legend has it that she wore steel framework corsets. Ugh, ow. Yeah, so corsets actually derive from an old French word, which derived from a Latin word corpus, meaning body. And the word corset came into use during, like, the late 14th century. Uh, the meaning and style of corsets as a means of slimming one's figure by wearing a stiff and constructing garment came comes from, like, the se- like 1795-ish. Mm-hmm. And the earliest known corset was from a Cretan figurine made in 1600 BCE. So, as we know, corsets, most of you know what a corset is. It's tightly laced uh, with sometimes as many as 50 laces, they're saying at this time. Oh. And, ha- and here we go. Had to be worn from childhood until their wedding night when the groom would slowly and carefully undo each lace in order to demonstrate self-control. Okay. Right? Uh, I bet more than one groom just, like, fucking cut that shit of off. Of course. Get a knife. A cut real, that bitch off. But if you wanted a real pious man, you okay. just had to, let, you know, had to make sure that happened. I had read that corsets, and this is something that I hadn't really thought about, but in the 18th century, whenever fashion was kind of at its height in, like, the 1700s, mm-hmm. men kind of wore corsets. Really? It was tight lacing. Men wore tight oh. lacing, although they didn't experience the same... Co- because it wasn't necessarily... It was more for fashion and not necessarily to slim their figure. Mm-hmm. They didn't experience the same kinds of medical problems right. that women who tight laced experienced. Yes, definitely. So, in the French Empire, corsets were kind of out during the directoire period. Any French word I'm going to fuck up, by the way. <laughs> uh, fashionable women discarded their corsets and donned sleeveless, transparent tunics embracing a classical silhouette. So there's a photo where it's like a woman wearing like a Renaissance corset and then a woman with like In this what new, year-ish? Uh, it says the directoire. I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what it is either. I didn't tell me any... Wikipedia didn't tell me any dates, so that's their fault, not mine. Um, then in Victoria-era Britain, it, again, it constantly changes what's, like, fashionable to look like, what your body type should be. So in this era, hips and bust were accentuated, and they would wear, like, it's corsets and hoop skirts galore. Like, it was just, like, slimming the waist, making the hips well, look Vic- really, really Victorian big. Well, Victorian era was the era of the bustle. So yes. it was all about your butt looking uh-huh. huge your and, like, your boobs your looking huge. Yeah. Um, they wore an insane amount of layers of clothing, including drawers and corsets. So they would wear, like... They would wear a corset, and then a corset cover, and then, like, their underwear, and then they'd wear, like, a petticoat, and then they'd wear another tunic over it, and then they'd put a dress on, and then they'd put a hoop skirt on, and, like, they would wear basically an insane amount of layers in their clothing. Well, because Victorian 
England especially, but yeah. I mean, I think that yeah, that, kind of, that kind of set the pace for all of the Western worlds, fashion-wise. Yeah. Uh, but it was all about modesty, so it would be layers and layers. And in fact, most Western women didn't start wearing underwear regularly until the 1800s. Yeah. And then in it was about like 1840s where pantaloons, which I think we all can, we've all seen, kind of comical-looking, frilly yeah. pantaloons. Yeah. Those became the thing to wear underneath your yeah, clothing. Yeah, I've read that they that those came became popular because of like leg chafing. Oh, I believe it, dude. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, men wore, wore pants and so for women like in the summer especially wearing that much clothes, like they would have to wear something so that their legs would As chafe. my thighs have gotten bigger, I'm like I fucking get it. Yeah, <laughs> like your thighs rubbing together sucks. Yeah. Like yeah. it is not comfortable. And underneath all those layers of clothes, like no thank you. Yeah. No thank you very much. For no thank you very much. So then we move on to Edwardian era Britain, women's physical activities increased, so the corset again was out, and in came the girdle, accompanied by a bust bodice or a BB. They would call oh, it. Oh, how cute. Right? A baby. So cute. And women dressed to accentuate an S shape to display the bust and the booty, like we said for that time as well. So before we move on completely from corsets, yes. I think we should address health issues with corsets. Well, so, do you know about the clothing reform movement? When? Because that was next on my list. Uh, um, it was kind of during the first wave feminism. So it was during like the late 1800s. Okay. So the evolution from corset to bra was driven by these two parallel movements, and one of them being um, the health professionals who were concerned with the effects of corsets. And the effects of corsets, the health professionals' warnings were that it um, could create nausea, bowel disturbances, eating disorders, breathlessness, flushing, fainting, and gynecological problems. So there have been historians since this who have said that this was kind of overblown and that in general uh, it was kind of a rare thing that women would actually experience severe health complications yeah. well, from corsets. Well, and most women just didn't listen to it because they were like, beauty hurts. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, it, it is. It, it has been called kind of the corset myth that it's yeah. super bad for you. However, tight lacing and waist training to an extreme degree is going it inevitably. It moves your organs. Yeah, it inevitably is going to cause you issues. Yeah. So, so one uh, other thing. Can I say one other thing about the yeah. clothing reform movement? Okay. So it also uh, was a movement of feminists who saw that women's further participation in society would require the emancipation of corsets. So the more that women wanted to be involved in society, the more room, literally, they needed within their bodies to be able to participate. Well, it's kind of an old-school bra-burning movement. Very much so. Very much so. Where it's symbolic of these physical constraints that men do not have to experience. Yeah. That women do experience. Yeah, and it's interesting um, because they... When we talk about, you know, there were these women who were saying, no, we should be, like, burning our corsets and all that kind of stuff. Um, There were also the people that, like... I read that ill health at the time was kind of, like the look was very popular. Oh, like um, heroin chic, but for like 1865? Pretty much. Okay. Like fictional heroines often died from tuberculosis or consumption. So fashionable. Uh, they would look very pale and gaunt and things like that. And and it was known, it was a whole thing about women being frail as well. Like that was very well, desirable. Absolutely. I mean, look at this kind of trope. I remember growing up at being one very much a stereotypical girly girl yeah. is how I grew up. Two, being enamored with golden era Hollywood and mm-hmm. all of those things. For me, the kind of, you know, and Disney movies. So for me, like, the kind of, like, wrist on the forehead, leaning back and fainting mm-hmm. thing was appealing. It yeah. was kind of sexy. It was like a damsel in distress sort of thing that that I thought was feminine. Yeah. And all of that kind of stems from, uh, a lot of it stems from corsets. From, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and not being able to breathe. Women would pass out. You know, women be fainting. There's women that, be fainting, that yeah. whole stereotype that yeah. women are fainting all the time. And a big part of that is because literally for a couple hundred years, women couldn't breathe in yeah. their clothing. Yeah. That's why people carried smelling salts on them for this purpose. Yeah. Um, and all of that, it became kind of this feminine stereotype that even when we moved out of that and into girdles and corselets, it 
remained this stereotype. It remained to be very, very feminine. So there was this awesome woman named Elizabeth Stuart Phelps, and she urged women to burn their corsets in 1874. But then corsets fought back, like they do, by being made frilly and feminine, and ads took an erotic, like, took on, like, an erotic imagery, and dolls assumed kind of a corseted image as to kind of... Mm -hmm. Trying to get sales back up. Get the sales back up, but also to kind of uh, reinforce a certain feminine and, and feminine yeah, stereotype exactly right so. and it kind of i'm sure played into this idea of feminists or suffragettes being these Crazy. masculine women yeah. and if you wanted to be feminine you would do this thing that they disagree with yeah it's interesting because as one side is saying burn the other side is kind of upswinging on you know because they have the money they're do you want to be beautiful yeah do yeah. you want to be desirable beautiful all these things and then probably yeah in turn looking at these women and saying this is this isn't these feminists and saying this isn't what you want to be like this isn't what you want to look right. like so, so yeah so i do want to touch on Things that you were likely to experience, even if you didn't experience any significant health problems like organ failure, which was a thing that happened in severe cases, you would be likely to experience other negative side effects from corsetry, like um, bruising, of course, because it's whalebone or steel Mm -hmm. uh, pushing up against your ribs for extended periods. So bruising, of course, passing out was another big one, shallow breathing. Muscular dystrophy in the abdomen and back, Mm. reduced natural fertility, and organ failure. Those last three came only in very severe cases. Yeah. But But if you wear one for long enough, I feel like that would be understandable. And it should be kept in mind that in the 18th century and into the 19th century and so on, whenever corsetry was like a very big deal, the most fashionable ladies strived for a circumference of 21 inches. Yeah. I have been corseted. I did a photo shoot once. I remember that where photo. I it's was, a badass photo. It's a great photo. But, but your waist is tiny. I was very thin at the time already. My waist was 24 inches naturally and I was corseted down to 22 inches. I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. He wanted me to sit down. I felt like I couldn't sit down. No. I couldn't breathe. Um, so 21 inches is an insane. insane. If you're trying to go about your day-to-day life at 21 inches, that's crazy. There was if a, you want it that way naturally, of course. It, yeah. Of course. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah. Cor- that's pretty... it's, un- it's unlikely. Yeah. It's very rare if you have a 21-inch waist naturally. Yeah, exactly. Um, there was a French Algerian actress named Emily Marie Bouchard, 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 um, and she had a thirty-eight inch <gasps> bust. And then what? Did- thirty-eight inches. Yeah, sixteen-inch waist. What? Bitch, what? <gasps> Bitch, how? That seems so crazy. <gasps> what? I just, I mean, and in that case, people who are like. Corsetry doesn't actually hurt you. I'm like, there is zero chance that her organs, organs were not up in her ribcage. There's no chance. Oh my god! I want to see a picture of that. Holy, we will look her up. Tits. Yeah, that is crazy. That is insane. That is bananas bonkers. Yes, I am telling you. Let's talk about French drawers a little bit, shall we? Let's talk a little bit about underwear. So, in 1841, this is something called, and I love this title of this book. Holy tit monkeys. All right, I just showed Madigan a picture of <laughs> Emily Marie Bouchard. Uh, this is saying her waist is 14 inches. I will post this when we post Can our I look Instagram. look at it again? Yeah, look, look at it. <gasps> it's ridiculous. It's <gasps> like, it's smaller than my thigh. It's literally smaller than my thigh. It's like her waist. My forearm. That's insane. Probably yes. bigger than my forearm, but anyways. So. <laughs> There in 1841, there was something called the Handbook of the Toilet. <laughs> Toilette? You gotta Probably. be more like fancy than that. Toilet. <laughs> Toilet. <laughs> I look him. I like Handbook of the Toilet. <laughs> Uh, which suggested that undergarments were an advantage to women because they prevented disorders and indispositions that occur among women. How how does that make any fucking sense? Like old school medicine journals. No, are hilarious that makes more to me. sense to me than not wearing underwear because Wait, but, they're saying and indispositions that occur among women. Like you're protecting, like underwear protects women against like right. But what was bacteria? The, what was the first half of that? It's saying 
that there was an advantage to them wearing underwear because they prevented disorders and indispositions that occur among women. Sorry, when I heard disorders, disorder to me (laughs) sounds like a mental disorder. Sounds like they're talking about your period to me. Okay, prevent sure. Disorder. You know, I don't know. That's what I thought of when I wrote it down. You're much more generous than me. Okay. I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, they were made of flanico. Flanico. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm like... Flanico. <laughs> sure, sure. I'm like, I can't stop laughing after that, after that picture. I'm so sorry. I haven't <laughs> even drank that much wine. I don't know what's wrong with me. Okay. They were made of flannel... Calico or cotton and reached far down the leg without being seen. So, depending on what your skin oh, okay. was. Sure, sure. Flannel sounds very warm, but we live in LA. If I was in a cold climate, flannel would probably be great. I would yeah, go for some honestly, because also at this time, you're talking women probably didn't like shave. So, yeah. the combination of like pubic hair and flannel <laughs> would be. I mean, so sweaty. It's pretty warm down there in general. Like I feel yeah. like I don't. I feel like my genitals aren't in danger of being chilly anytime no. soon. I mean, only if I was in a very cold climate. For real. And like, and yeah. they are kind of like pants almost. Like they were pretty long. They were like shorts. God, that sounds so hot. Yeah, like it, it would. Very it would be warm. great for like a winter in Minnesota. Like where yeah, you're from. Like, exactly. I could, I could do that. So at this time. They were separate each leg, so you had to put on like each leg of the garment, and either the crotch was open or they were sewn closed. So I don't know if there was a belt or like how it even stayed up. Why would it be open for easy <laughs> access? Crotchless panties, man. I mean, I did hear a thing from like I was watching some comedian and they were talking about Spanx, and we'll move into like modern day undergarments later. But they were talking about Spanx, and they were in like a full Spanx bodysuit, which I've yeah. never worn, like the ones that go over the shoulder and are like no. shorts, like no. long bicycle shorts. And they were like, yeah, because when you go to these events and you're in these dresses where you need to be, like, smooth all over, you can't take it off because it's, Mm -hmm. like, a full bodysuit. So there's a hole in the crotch. Yeah. Like, for peeing purposes. That sounds about right. But that seems like... It probably is for that. But also, like... That's a breeze. Also messy. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I'm yeah. just like, if you're pe- like, how wide is this hole <laughs> in your crotch? I feel like a nice, like, slit would do. Have you never, like, just moved your underwear aside to pee in public anywhere? I have, but it makes me concerned. Like, I'm always worried I'm going to get pee on it. Oh, I just, like, if I can't actually pull my underwear down, like, I've definitely, like, peed in public before. I'll just, like, pull my underwear to the side. I d- I've done that when I have bodysuits on, too, and I don't want to unhook it. I'll just pull it to the side. Yeah. I don't know. I think maybe I'm just paranoid. I'm trusting of myself. (laughs) I feel like I know what I'm doing. Um, And then, moving a little bit forward, but I'm still kind of in this, like, French drawer section here. It says, in World War I, skirts got shorter, so underwear became um, scantier. Mm -hmm. Panties, the worst word. I hate that word, and I never hated that word until the first time I was in treatment, I was friends with this girl named Beth, and she hated that word, and it, like, turned me against it. I go through periods where I'm like, this is fine, and then sometimes someone will say it, and I'm like, ew. No, I hate the word panties. Did you ever watch the John Bonet special on the ID channel where that guy No, that would gross me the fuck out. Keeps referring to her underwear as panties. Nope, nope, nope. No, no. You don't no. call a six-year-old girl's underwear because panties. there is something almost inherently sexual about the it, word panties. He was from another country, so I wonder if maybe that was why. But yeah, there is something very sexual about calling it panties um, that makes me feel real uncomfortable. Don't like that. Don't like it at all. So I think we should be about moving into the twentieth century soon. Say, I actually have some more nineteenth century when it comes to bras. Oh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Um, so a bra-like device was patented by Henry S. Lesher in. 1859. In 1863, a corset substitute was patented by Lumen L. Chapman, and historians refer to this as the proto-bra. So these are kind of like the pre-bra, almost bra era. Mm -hmm. According to Life magazine, Hermini Cadole... Don't know. (laughs) ...invented the first modern bra. It was a two-piece undergarment, which was originally called the... Corselet gorge? 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 I don't know. And later the le bien etre, which means the well-being. The lower part was a corset for the waist, and the upper part supported the breasts with shoulder straps. So it was a two-piece thing. Um, Her description of it, she says, it was designed to sustain the bosom and supported by the shoulders. 
When it was shown at the Great Exhibition of 1889, the company claimed that Hermini freed women by inventing the first bra. By 1905, the top part was sold separately as a soutien-gorge, which is what the French still call bras today, apparently. I had no idea. According to Wikipedia. She also introduced the rubber thread, or the elastic. So that was kind of cool. Men started patenting bras, and as I'm reading this, I'm, like, rolling my eyes. I love that women stepped in. And then women were like, I'm going to make this better. That shit's about to happen. So when we talk about the invention of the modern bra, so we obviously have these kind of precursors to the invention of the modern bra, which, I mean, deserve their credit, but... We cannot talk about the invention of the bra without talking about the person who patented it. Mm -hmm. So, in 1910, there was a young woman at the age of 19. Her name Mm -hmm. was Mary Phelps Jacob at the time. And she she was was later Caress Crosby. Yeah, she changed her name later on because this woman. She seems fascinating. Like, I want a book or a movie on this woman. I have a whole, like section, like, page where I'm like, I need to take a break and just talk about this woman for a second. She's fascinating. So in 1910, she was preparing for an evening at a debutante ball, and she was kind of a big-chested woman, and the designs of the time called for her to be kind of corseted in a way that would have pushed her breasts down in an uncomfortable way. Yeah, and she also didn't like the fact that the whalebone that was in the corsets would, uh, she wanted to wear the sheer dress. Right. She didn't like that she could see the whalebone through the sheer dress. She didn't like how it poked out. She wanted to wear more of like a plunging neckline. She didn't like that. It's kind of like wearing a, a underwire Underwire, bra, right. Where, where the you like, can very much like out. see it. Right. So... I find this to be such a fascinating story. Like, Me it too. honestly, I think I saw a drunk history on this at one point, <gasps> to be honest. I didn't find that. Um, but she was like, hey, I don't feel comfortable in this. She's like, bring me two of my... 19. She's 19. She's a yeah. debutante. She's born of money. And she's like, bring me two of my handkerchiefs. Well, my she s- did work with her maid. But. Well, she did. But she was <laughs> like, bring me two of my handkerchiefs, my sewing kit, and some ribbon. I'm yeah. going to, like, fashion some shit out of this. And what she basically fashioned was a backless bra. Exactly. It had the sh- loops that went over the shoulders and connected back around. Mm-hmm. And then the one at the bottom that tied in the back. Yep. So it was it wasn't a it wasn't a um halter. Yeah. It had two straps and then the handkerchiefs that went over the breast area. Yeah. And she started wearing this around. Yeah, well, that night. comfortable AF. That night that she was at this, like, debutante ball, these people were coming up to her and asking for their own. And then once a stranger offered her a dollar for one, she thought her invention could possibly be a business opportunity. So on November 3rd, 1914, she got a patent for the backless bra. And she had started making them because with hers, it was with ribbon, which was kind of like a MacGyver-type situation. But when she started doing it for other people, she did start using elastic. She found better ways to improve it. Exactly. So, like Keegan started mentioning, it was a lightweight, soft, comfortable, and naturally separated the breasts, unlike other designs. Uh, She had a few orders from department stores, but her business didn't really take off at that point. And then her asshole of a husband, Henry, discouraged her business. This motherfucker. And he was her second husband, I think. Henry Crosby. Well, I bring that up only because it was kind of, like, sorted, because she had her own... This woman was badass, and she had her own uh, business Yeah, where she was like, I'm going to have my own business, and my funds are going to be separate from my husband's funds from mm. her first from her first marriage. But she also used her business, her place of business, as a place to hook up with Henry Crosby, oh. who ended up becoming her second husband Interesting. after she divorced her well, first husband. And he's like, no, 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 you can't have this much power. I'm taking this business away from you. So he urged her to sell her patent to Warner Brothers Corset Company. Which, did you know? (laughs) I worked for Warner Brothers. I know, I thought of you. And I did not know that they had a fucking corset Corset company. company. She sold it for $1,500, which today would be roughly $22,452. They manufactured the Crosby bra for a while, but it didn't really become popular, so it was discontinued. But in total, the Warner Company made $15 million from the patent over the next 30 years, which is bananas. Bonkers, crazy. So, bras started becoming more widely popular in the 1910s because of, like, the different trends of outfits and things like that. And then in 1917, which is the beginning of the involvement in World War I, uh, U.S. war industries uh, 
asked women to stop buying corsets to free up metal for war production. Brilliant. And it saved 28,000 tons of metal, which was enough to build two battleships. Which is too much metal to have on your body. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, on the daily, that's too much. I would just how, call someone the Tin Man. How uncomfortable. Because, you know, like, I had a bra once, like, back when I was, like, soups poor and, like, couldn't afford to, like, continually buy new mm-hmm. bras. Um, so I had one for a really long time that the underwire that had poked out. Mm. Have you had a bra like that where it's just poking you and like you can't think about anything else because you're just being constantly poked in the chest. I haven't worn underwire in ages. I I don't wear one now but I don't wear them at all. I used to have one like I said I liked I had this bra that I don't know why I got rid of it that had underwire but then it was just lace over my boobs and it made them look so good. Like if I just wanted to look a little extra busty but not like but still natural. Mm -hmm. But I used to wear push-up bras in high school. I would always oh, wear yeah. push-up bras. I still do on occasion if I want like my boobs to be like up, my only, up and out of tension. My only padded bra that I own is a strapless bra. But can you imagine like corsets that have steel in them? No. What if one of those pieces like stuck fucking up? No. Nope. Like into your boob. I'm just sure that happened. Into your boob. I'm just sure nice it did. Pierce nipple, you know? Yeah. It'd be great. The war also shook up gender roles because women were put to work in factories and influenced social attitudes toward women, which helped liberate them from corsets. The bra was now a prominent display in the department stores. So this is kind of when, again, you know, earlier they had that movement where women had started to play more sports and things like that, where certain types of corsets became unpopular because women wanted to move around more. And now women are starting to get into the workforce, so they can't be so constrained. So bras became more popular and popular. We love the 20s. And yes. the 20s are fascinating because... Boyish was figures not came boyish. into style. It was not desirable to have breasts at all. So the corset was now just around the waist with the bra supporting the bust. The bandeau style was popular, which culminated the boyish silhouette of the flapper era. And the androgynous figure downplayed curves and the bandeau flattened the breast. So it was like the corset would keep you skinny. And then the bandeau would kind of like push, squish them down, your boobs in, and make sure that you had that desirable look. So around this time, there's this woman named Ida Rosenthal. She was a seamstress, and she noticed that a bra that fit one woman did not fit all women. So she invested right concept. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. Incredible. (laughs) Well, because she was seeing like these bandeau style bras, and she's like, this this just doesn't work for everybody. So she invested four thousand five hundred dollars, which I don't know what that would be today, but that's a fuck ton of money. A lot. It'd be a lot. I don't know how she had that much money to begin with, but whatever. Into her new business, which developed bras for all ages. The company's name was Maiden was Maiden Form. Maiden Form. They're still around. Yep, which was a contrast with the competitor Boyish Form Company. <laughs> Interesting, right? So they lifted rather than flattened the breasts and they created bras for nursing, full figured and um, had the first seamed uplift bra, and the styles changed. Uh, the style changes coincided with health professionals linking breast cancer and comfort to motherhood and lactation, which campaigned against breast flattening. So they were saying, which is not true, that flattening your breast caused breast cancer. Um, but they were also saying that it affected lactation. But it can cause, I know that that's a big thing uh, when people talk about binding their breasts using yeah. like ace bandages. Mm-hmm. It's very bad for your circulation and it's bad for a lot of things. Anything yes. that like constricts your blood flow in that way is probably not healthy. Yeah, I can see where maybe like with lactation. Sure. Potentially. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, mean, I'm not a doctor. I was just gonna say I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But like that seems more... Um, More likely likely than breast cancer, yeah. Yeah. So in the 30s, brassiere was shortened to bra. Home-sewn bras kind of vanished. Before this, people were kind of fashioning their own bras and making them out of the home for the most part, except for these businesses that we were discussing. Uh, The SH Camp Company correlated breast size to letters for the first time in A through D. And it was featured in the Corset and Underwear Review in 1937 by the Warner Company. Crazy. Right? Seems risque. Risque! Doesn't it? So risque. Adjustable bands were also introduced, and saleswomen played a key role by fitting women to their proper size. Dude, I really need to go get fitted. I have no idea what I into am. Into an appropriate... Well, here's the thing. Like, listen. I wear bralettes, though, so it's different. Oh, I fucking love bralettes, but if I'm wearing a real bra, like, listeners, my boobs are not very big, and I wear a 34B, and I went to... 
Victoria's Secret, and they were like, you should actually be in a 32C. Victoria's and I was Secret. like, what? I don't think so. Victoria's Secret once put me in a double D. That's a lot. It's a it's a bold faced lie that it, I would yeah. be a C. Cup. They put me again. They put me in one size thinner. They put me in like a thirty two. That's, that's what D. they do. They put you in a, a size a band size smaller it and then a cup boobs, size bigger. I think it makes your boobs look bigger to them, and that's why they but say it. But it's weird because it doesn't it fit my boobs right. It is weird. I haven't gotten I haven't gotten sized in a long time because I just wear bralettes or I don't wear bras at all. I don't think I've been sized in like. Four years. I have not been sized in ages. I don't yeah. know what my my boobs are a good handful. That's all yeah, I know. Yeah, like they're a good they're a good handful. <laughs> That's all I can describe them as. I'm holding them right now, and none of you can see it, and it feels <laughs> great. Um, so this is kind of also when bras became like a major industry. You know, they had a lot of saleswomen. They were training them on how to size bras. Um, they were displayed in department store windows and things like that. Um, and it was also when like the pointy boobs started getting popular. Padded bras came into fashion, and everyone wanted to have those nice pointy tits. Which, again, seems weird. But the reason they would do that is because it could make you look a bra size bigger. That's I mean, that's I true. I have a um, corselet girdle that has a has pointy boobs, and yeah. it feels very weird to be in it. But yeah. I could see if you're wearing certain shirts how it could make your breasts look bigger. Well, yeah. and I feel like also there was something, like, nipples kind of come in and out of style, too, I feel like, where there's something very sexual about, like, the point mm-hmm. and, like, the nipples. Did you ever watch Sex in the City? Uh, yeah, and they're ta- they're talking essentially about friends is what they were talking about. Anthony and I watch Friends, and oh, Rachel's are nipples, so- all of them. Like, but like, have you seen Sex and the City when they buy the fake, fake nipples, nipples to yeah. poke through? Yeah, yeah, it's crazy because nipples were in at the time. Okay, I want I want to live in a world where I can be braless all the time, and I won't feel like people are looking at my nipples. Because uh, I don't care if people are looking at my nipples. To be I honest. feel self conscious, and I wonder if it's because of like working as a nanny too, where I feel like I have to be a little bit more conservative. I don't. That. I don't do it at work, but like I'm gonna wear a dress. And I'll show you after we get off. But I'm gonna wear a dress to my birthday this weekend, my birthday party. That is a black dress that has underwire built into it, but okay. it's cloth. And I was like, do I go get nipple covers for this? I probably won't. And, no. you know, during the night, yeah, he'll probably see my nipples every now and again. When I'm with my friends, care. it's not really a big deal. But I don't know. There's something about, like, I just don't like running into men and having my, feeling like oh, my sure. boobs are my nipples. Like, I sure. just feel like if you can see the shape of my boob, I just feel vulnerable. Yeah. If you can see my nipple. I hear you. Should we talk about the Miss America protest real quick? Sure. Let's yes. skip. We're, we're running low on time Which here, is so. where the fictional bra burning happens. Exactly. So we're in 1968. Picture it. We're at the Miss America pageant. Protesters threw feminine items into a freedom trash can. And like, yeah, there are probably a few bras, but like, it wasn't really like what people. Right. So you have the stereotypical idea of bra burning. Yeah. That is associated very often with feminists. Yes. Feminists burn their bras. Exactly. And um, they didn't literally burn them. There wasn't like this ceremonial burning. They just of like bras. stopped wearing them. Yeah, because they're <laughs> constrictive. I yeah. I don't wear them if they, I can help it either. Yeah, they called them instruments of female torture, which I completely agree with. But you know what? At the same time, I've met very large-chested women who are like, no, I need it. I need to wear a bra. Yeah, and for I, me, I understand that. Completely. Totally. For me, I, if I didn't have to wear it, I, I wouldn't. Same. Um, Author and feminist Bonnie J. Dow suggested the association between feminism and bra burning was encouraged by anti-feminists. Some feminists say anti-feminists, I said feminists a lot in that sentence. Feminist, feminist, feminist. Feminist, 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 feminist. Use this myth to trivialize what the protesters were trying to accomplish, which I think, I mean, still to this day we talk about burning bras. You know I, mean, I mean, and, and it makes sense. You always try and find a way to, like, divert or, like, there are certain stereotypes that I think are meant to derail a conversation about feminism. And yeah. I think bra burning is one of them. Harry armpits is one of them. Yeah. Um, but that's you know. why people like do it now too, mm-hmm. I feel like, to kind yeah. of fight back on that. Yeah. Uh, this woman, Germaine Greer, wrote in the book The Female Eunuch, bras are, lud- are a ludicrous invention, but if you make brawlessness a rule, you're just subjecting yourself to yet another repression, which is kind of going by what you just said, mm-hmm. where it should be within the decision of each individual Absolutely. woman. Absolutely, that's what feminism is. Exactly. And during the 70s, bras also became more diverse and individual. In the 90s, advertising moves to fit comfort and function. The sports bra was invented. Um, in the 2000s, demand for larger bra sizes started coming out. Um, they started making a molded one-piece seamless bra cup where they would um, heat the cup to mold to the boobs. Ooh, and I like that. That's what they do to make that shape. They would like they would 
use a mold and warm them to make the foam um, sit. In I don't know shape. why I was like, I kind of want a warm fo- like foam mold on my own boob yeah. to get like a very like personalized bra. Stick shape. your bra in the, in the dryer <laughs> for and an just hour. Put it on my boob. Put it on and hold it real tight. See if it conforms. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Perfect. Um, and this is also in the 2000s when it became a billion dollar industry. So, and there's also something interesting, and then we're going to get into modern times. This is when um, training bras started becoming more and more popular. Which I don't quite understand. I had a training bra. My mom actually got... I wanted a bra so My mom got very mad at me because I wanted one so bad she wouldn't get me one. My mom was notoriously slow to do things like that. And so I went to the store with my grandma. I lied to my grandma and told her that my mom said that I could get a bra. And she said, okay. And I picked out my first training bra and Mm -hmm. got it and went home. And my mom was fucking furious. Yeah. Like, she was so mad that I went behind her back and, like, did that without her. But I was like, I'm ready, like, to grow up and be a grown-up. I got this weird bra and underwear set when I was, like, five years old from a neighbor at the cabin that had... It was, like, a sports bra, basically, and it had Winnie the Pooh on it. It's weird. Like, like training bras are weird. Well, And and I I think that they're less of a thing now than they used to be. I think so, too. And, um... During, like, the mid-2000s, they were saying that training bras are used to make young girls believe their breasts are sexual objects, which I've never really thought about. But I, I agree with that, though. I agree with it 100%, and I think that that was something, you know, I've talked a lot about um, when I was younger, wanting to fit in, having my period, having boobs, all this kind of stuff. So for me, wearing a bra was, like, a way for me to fit in. Well, I feel like, for me, training bras... The reason why they exist, because it's very fucking weird, and, like, I think that the reason why they exist is because we have sexualized young girls' bodies in that, like, if they start to develop boobs, again, it's something that, like, if a nipple is showing through their clothing because they've started to develop breasts, yeah, that we see that as an inherently sexual thing, right? Well, which is in, fucked up. In the Middle Ages and after that, um, young girls would wear, like, camisoles a lot of times for that reason. Which I could see, but also, like, it shouldn't matter. Like, there's something wrong with you if you look at a 12-year-old who has breasts and you look at her body and you are you think of it as something very sexual. Yeah, like, that's, your, it, that's it, your problem, not the child's And I problem. understand it. I understand, like, again, just the way that you talk about... We had this conversation when we talked about growing up and there being things that said stuff across the butt or across yeah. the chest. And it being like, yes, of course, that's your problem if if you are sexualizing a child. But from a, pers- a parent's perspective... You are trying to protect I, your kid. I get it because it's just like you say when you don't like... As a grown woman, you don't like to go out without a bra because of the attention of men. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing where it's like, it's that creep's problem because he shouldn't be looking at you like that, period. Uh-huh. But you want to protect your kid. So, I mean, I get it. Yeah. But also training bras are fucking weird. Yeah. Very weird. <laughs> yeah. Should we talk about modern bras? We're probably yes. going to run a little over, guys. Sorry, We're... but this is a great topic. Yeah, it is. There's so much to cover. The history is so in-depth, and, like, what a good one to end it on for Women's History Month. Um, so if we talk about modern times, I don't have a lot of in-depth like notes because hey yeah. we're living it right we're now. Living but, it. but there are a couple things that I think distinguish our our times as far as undergarments go, uh, from other ones in the past. And one of those things is Spanx. Yeah. The invention of Spanx. I wore Spanx last night to my birthday dinner because my thighs have gotten bigger and part of it is like uh not wanting them to like rub together. <laughs> and part of it is this idea that we're supposed to look very sleek in yeah. in dresses. I've never own- owned Spanx. I I don't mind them. I don't find them to be terribly uncomfortable, but they are a very modern invention. I mean, they're yeah. essentially a modern girl. I also don't really wear a lot of tight-fitting clothing or dresses, but I yeah. think that if I were to ever wear something that was more form-fitting, that just to smooth myself out. That's what I would they're do for. That. I, yeah, like I don't necessarily want to make myself look smaller. I wouldn't buy one to create any sort of illusion of my waist being smaller, but I think that just to keep everything smooth. Right. For me, it's no to keep panty things, lines. For me, it's you know? to keep things smooth because, um, and not that there's anything wrong with this and not that I'm like ashamed of it or anything like that, but because of the way that I carry my weight, I have a small waist and a small, like, upper body, I carry my weight in my thighs and my butt, and that's fine. Um, But if I don't wear Spanx, there is this kind of... You you can see everything underneath there, and so wearing Spanx just kind of smooths everything out. But it does have this kind of almost modern girdle effect to it. It does. In the way that it 
pushes mine go up right underneath my breasts yeah. and down like mid thigh. So it does kind of control this whole middle area yeah. that was very popular maybe when girdles and corslets were very popular yeah. in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. Um, well, and then waist trainers became huge and, a few years ago. Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about next. With the rise of the Kardashians. I was going to say the Kardashian And man. Fashion Nova and these kinds of brands that are emphasizing... The thing about it is, like, you can tell me all day, Khloe Kardashian, that you put your waist trainer on and you go to the gym Mm-mm. and that's how you get that figure. But, and, and the same thing with all these Fashion Nova models, because I've shopped at Fashion Nova. I like their jeans. If you've got, like, big thighs or a big butt, their jeans are great. Um, but... So not for me. But they, they try and sell you on this idea when you're on their website that this body type, it's this Instagram model body type is of, like, like sustainable. big boobs, big hips small waist is, like, anything that could ever be achieved naturally. Yeah. There is no amount of waist training no. that is going to give you a Kim Kardashian figure. Yeah, like, it's I, not going to happen. I used to nanny for a family that had two nannies for two kids, and the other nanny would wear a waist trainer every day. And I'm like, we are sitting around a house all day doing nothing, and you're wearing a waist trainer. Like, it just boggled It's not going to do anything. I mean, and it, it could. I'm not going to say... It it wouldn't because I remember whenever I was in high school, the trick was if you're going to work out, wrap your stomach. And I did this. You wrap your stomach in saran wrap before you go on a what? jog or whatever because however much you like sweat out your water weight, like it would constrict your stomach. I just feel like that's bullshit. And um, I mean, well, the thing was, it was just like, even if it was true, the second you ate or drank anything, it yeah. would just come right back. But it's kind of the same thing with waist training. It's like it's not to say that it might not make your stomach look smaller for a second, yeah. but it's not going to It's, it's not going to have a lasting effect. Have any kind of lasting effect. Yeah. I you just know? I just roll my eyes at it. I remember the waist trainers were really big when I had like left treatment the last time and I was just like major eye roll. I was like, yeah. what fucking Yeah, I mean, and that is something... I saw something today where um, Jamila... I was going to mention that. Jamil, is that her name? I th- yeah. Yeah, where she, she called out Khloe Kardashian for trying sure to did. sell Fit Tea because she's like, stop trying to sell this ideal that you got this body through Fit Tea, diuretic tea. I was going to say, it just... It literally just makes you shit yourself. Yeah, it's you a diuretic well tea. go and buy Miralax. Whenever you have fucking personal trainers and a whole team of people and a ton of time and money that has yeah. gone into your body looking like this. It's yeah. not it's, to do... But it's another way for them to make money so they, you know... But that's insane. It's like, you don't need to make any more money, no, Chloe. You really don't. They so, don't. like, stop selling and this it's harmful such an, it's, tea. It's such... It's so harmful. It's yeah. such bullshit, Agreed. too. Like, don't buy into any of that shit. It's just all lies. Look, do two minutes of research and you it will debunk everything for you. Yeah. It's such lies. But we have seen kind of the rise of the bralette in uh-huh. our modern times, which is... God a, bless it. Absolutely. I fucking... On a weekend, all I wear is a fucking bralette. Like, a thin piece of fabric that just kind of, like, gives you just enough support so that you can move around without yeah. feeling like your boobs are heavy or falling That's anywhere. That's all I wear. Which is all you really need... It, if you're smaller chested, sorry, right. I should clarify. They do. They are starting to make a lot of bralettes, though, for larger chested women, where they're still making them supportive enough with certain fabrics and things like that. Good, where they can be supported because but still man. be comfortable. Because there's no reason that you should have to wear underwire or anything like that. I mean, it depends on what look you're going for, what makes you feel comfortable, and what you prefer your chest to look like, I guess. But I feel like if you are really wanting to wear a bralette, but you're larger chested. It's good that there are those options that are starting mm-hmm. to come up where you can have that comfort. Because for me, I hate bras. Right. If Even bralettes sometimes. I'm like, get this fucking off me. They're either too big or they're too small or my boobs are popping out or that's... Yeah. I don't know. Like, it's just... It's messy to me. I don't like it. So if there's a way, if that's something that you really want and to still have that support and it's comfortable right. for you, I'm glad that there's like a way for that to happen. So with the birth of the bralette, I think it's also kind of this movement, you know, the free the nipple movement and all these yeah. things that have moved us into it being a little bit more acceptable. It's still not acceptable at all in a work setting. Like, I can't go to work without a bra on. Um, but in life, I think it's far more acceptable. I went through a period there where on a weekend... Sometimes still, on a weekend, I won't put a bra on. Yeah. Like, because I simply just don't care. If I'm not working, I typically don't wear a bra unless... 
I'm going out and unless the outfit that I'm wearing requires that I wear a bra. If I'm wearing, like I have a lot of dresses that I don't have to wear bras in and things like that. I don't like that my bra straps show. I like I like that kind of all natural. I have great shaped boobs. I might as well show it off while I got I it. I feel the same way and I think we're moving into it being more socially acceptable for that to be a thing. As far as underwear goes, I mean do what you want. I mean, yeah. I really don't think that there are any, like, hard and fast rules. I feel like underwear is uh, Except for what more... I said about thongs. That shit will scar me for the Well, rest yeah, of my you life. don't like thongs, and I don't like visible panty lines. But if you don't really <laughs> care, then yeah. do you. It doesn't yeah. really matter. Exactly. Um, I'm glad that there's, like, versatility in it, though. Yeah. And every woman, like, I, I just love, like, all my friends always have, like, their signature Everyone like, has their look. own preference. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I love it. So, yeah, I think that wraps up this episode. Yeah, I told you. I texted Keegan earlier. I was like, I have a lot of notes. No, it's good. It's good. It's good to have a lot of information. Yeah, I found it so fascinating. Like I said, my carpal tunnel was kicking in when I was writing today, but I had so much fun learning about it. I really hope that you guys enjoyed listening to this and that it was something that you find interesting, too. Um, I hope you enjoyed Women's History Month this month. It went by fast. It went by so fast. But we hope that you enjoyed what we did this year. It was different than last year, you know, yeah. where last year we had... Uh, it was very structured. All the, it was very structured, and this year we were kind of like, I don't know, what do you want to do? And we were yeah. a little all over the map, but in a very good way, I think. So I agree. So if it was something that you enjoyed, let us know. Yeah, totally. Um, so we are slowly approaching, I believe that June is Pride Month. Uh, we're slowly approaching it. If you want to send in your coming out stories, we're We've going to do... We've gotten a few already. We have. We're going to do a coming out episode. I would love to do a motherhood episode again. So would I. I would love to do a fatherhood episode this year. That'd be great. Yeah. I want to hear your stories about your dads. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think it would be a really great thing for us to talk about. So if you want to send in any motherhood, fatherhood, or coming out stories, we haven't had any sister solidarity stories in a long time. I would really enjoy some sister solidarity stories. Any, or any just comments or things that you want to reach out to us about, feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can also DM DM us and check us out on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can check us out on Twitter at Yamf Podcast, Y-A-N-F Podcast. You can also check us out on Facebook. We have a business and a group page. You can leave us a review on our business page, which we really appreciate. And we really appreciate you leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That makes our day so much better. Um, I think that is everything that we need to cover. So with all that being said, we encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.